something that Scott asked me if I could share with you in this journey this past week. Some of you know, and some of you don't know, that my dad passed away uh, a week ago, Saturday. So, um, as most of you know, we've been praying for him. He's been battling pancreatic cancer since last Easter. And uh, I just want to let you know that the prayers of this church were so powerful in his and my mom's life. So thank you for that. Um, but Scott said, you know, maybe you could come and share some of the things that, that God was doing and the encouragement that you received and where, um, where we go in those times of grief. Um, and, uh, and as I prayed about it, um, driving across New Mexico yesterday, um, the Lord maybe sent me on a little different direction that I want to share with you this morning, but I, I do just want to remind you and tell you and thank you for the power of prayers and the power of the body of Christ coming around um, one another in those times. And um, I walked into my office this morning and my students had put notes on the walls. And uh, one of them shared this, and I'll just share it with you. Out of Psalm 34, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that's where our hope is, right? Bradley, thank you for your text yesterday. Again, I was in New Mexico when I got it, so sorry I didn't text you back. Uh, but Brad sent a, a beautiful text, and I forgot my phone. I was going to read part of it. But uh, just the, the, the message that he sent out of 1 Corinthians of having a, a father who, who can empathize and who knows and who allows us to walk through things that we may come alongside one another when they suffer similar things to, to minister and to love. And the power of the body of Christ. The power of the body of Christ. At my house this past week, um, seeing that played out for my mom, the, the, the endless flow of people coming, knocking on the door. The, where I grew up is a town of about 2,000 people. There's no stoplight. If you're not going there, you're not going to pass through. There's more deer and cows than there are people. And so it's a really small, tight-knit community there in Texas. And everybody knows everybody. My dad was the town veterinarian, so everybody knew my dad because they brought their animals there. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the, just, I mean, about the only time you could catch your breath was as people were passing on the sidewalk to, to bring a meal or to come by and give a hug or just to check in or to bring flowers or to just come and love, love on her uh, in that way and on the whole family. And it was powerful. Um, <clears throat> but as I, I sat there and, and thinking about, Father, where do, we, where do we go today? What do we talk about? So there's lots of directions we could go. We could look at God's faithfulness in the many parts of this journey with Dad and just in our own lives for, for my family here and the opportunities that we got to go back and see Dad. The, the fact that between Thanksgiving and yesterday, we drove over 6,000 miles between their house and ours, over 96 hours in the car. And the first thing that happened was some bad attitudes because we were tired. You know, I think we hit one bird, maybe. <clears throat> but all that time on the road and God's faithfulness to protect us as we journeyed. The, the faithfulness of, of, of God and, and the life of my mom who was by my dad's side the entire time and was trying to get him to come home on hospice so that he could pass at home. But as we sat and talked about it this week, she said, you know, I, I see the goodness of God and that he passed away at the hospital because I'd have never been able to 
take care of him here. And the goodness of God in, in that dad passed as quickly as he did because uh, there was an episode on Friday. He went to the hospital and passed away Saturday night. And my sister said, if dad would have spent even one week in the condition that he was in there, he would have just been suffering. He would have just been suffering. And God is so good to bring him home when he did. So we can see God's goodness over and over and over again. Time after time. And I thought, Father, that's, that's a good place to go. That's encouraging. We could spend some time there. The more I thought about it and the more I reflected on my dad's life, I, I feel like this is where we need to go this morning. And um, <clears throat> I don't want to turn it into a memorial service for my dad. That's not what I'm doing. We already did that. But um, I do want to just share for a moment part of his obituary that um, <laughs> dad, in his loving kindness, had already planned his service, had already written his obituary, had already done all these things because he said, you guys don't need to mess with this. Um, Mom, you don't, you know, the, it's going to be hard enough as it is. And, uh, and so uh, he said, I just want a, a small, just friends and family, graveside. We said, okay. And uh, so a small friends and family, because they announced that it would be at the graveside. It was about 300 people who showed up there that day um, around the graveside to, to say goodbye. And because he was a veterinarian, some of their dogs came too. Uh, so it was, a, it was a real party celebrating dad there. But I just want to read for you a little bit out of his obituary, and then we're going to head in the direction that I, that I feel like the Lord's taking us today. It says, David, uh, Dave W. Rosberg Jr. was born December 29th, 1947, and lost his battle with pancreatic cancer on January 27th, 2024. <clears throat> he was the son of David W. Rosberg Sr. and Helen Dana Rosberg. He grew up in Brazos County, Bryan College Station, Texas, graduated from Stephen Boston High School in 1965, married the love of his life, and his forever mate Elizabeth Ann Bernice on April 19, 1970, St. Paul Lutheran Church in Mason. Dave graduated Texas A&M University College of Veterinary Medicine August 1970. He practiced veterinary medicine in Wichita Falls, Texas from August 70 to March 71. He was inducted in the U.S. Air Force March of 1971 for active duty as an officer in the veterinary services of N Air Force Base in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and served from May 1971 to March 1973. Dr. Rosberg had public health oversight responsibilities for facilities in the area, including the Cheyenne Mountain Complex, Air Defense Command Headquarters, radar sites in Lamar and La Junta, Colorado, as well as food services and commissary services in N Air Force Base in Peterson Field. Dr. Rosberg received the Distinguished Service Military Merit Award upon his discharge from the service. Dave and Elizabeth and their five-month-old daughter Amy moved to Mason and began their practice of veterinary medicine at Hill Country Veterinary Hospital on April 1st, 1973. Dave and Elizabeth worked together to serve the community and build their practice. Dr. Dave served on the board of directors of the Texas Veterinary Medical Association and was voted Food Animal Practitioner of the Year in 1990. He was appointed by Governor Rick Perry on May 27th of 2008 to a six-year term of service on the Texas State Board of Veterinary Medical Examiners. He also served as a practitioner advisor to the Texas Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Laboratory at Texas A&M University. Dave loved Mason and the people of the community. He was very thankful for their support and confidence in the veterinary services they provided. He and Elizabeth are so thankful they could raise their four children here, Amy, Alette, Andy, and Aaron. Dave loved being with them and watching and participating in their academic and sporting endeavors. He loved hunting with his children and now his grandchildren. 
What great times they've had, Dad wrote. Jesus Christ and family were his priorities. Nothing held more importance to him. He loved ranching and trying to leave property and livestock better than it was. Fifty years in Mason has been a wonderful blessing and a pleasure in his life. Such wonderful family and friends, no man could ask for more. This was Dad's favorite saying. Time sure passes fast when you're having fun. And on January 30th, uh, 2024, Dave would have received, and we were there to receive it for him, uh, the honor of accepting the Hall of Fame Award by the Chamber of Commerce. He was so humbled and honored by this reward. And as I read through Dad's obituary, and I think about all those things, it's very obvious that, that he was a good veterinarian, and he was loved by the community, and he received some awards and was able to use that his entire life to provide for his family. But, but the phrase that sticks out to me the most was, Jesus Christ and his family were his priority. Nothing mattered more. And as I thought back through this week and, and uh, through the time that people came by and seeing people at the service and their dogs at the service and uh, just this time together, what I heard over and over and over again was not, your dad was such a great vet, your dad was such a great vet, but it was your dad loved me. Your dad shared Jesus with me as a vet. Your dad treated everybody exactly the same. No matter who they were. Even when he had to put our animals down, he was so gracious, so kind, so loving. As our friends came and shared with us, To say, um, I'm partly the dad I am today because of the time I spent at your house and saw your dad and how he loved you and how he parented you. We heard it over and over and over again. Not what a great vet he was, what a great lover of Jesus he was and how he used the platform of veterinary medicine to spread the gospel. What you won't read in dad's obituary is that he was a preacher or that he shared the gospel with thousands or that he uh, you know, stood in the, in the, in the mountains and of some foreign land and, and preached Jesus. But that wasn't his calling. His calling was to the people of Mason County. And he preached the gospel every day in who he was. You've heard the saying, you know, preach the gospel every day, use words if you have to. Right? And the life that he lived and who he was is where the gospel was seen. And so as I thought about this, I, I want to just kind of go down two roads. Sorry, that was a really long introduction. But I want to go down kind of two roads. This idea of life in Christ, life with Christ in death in Christ or death with Christ. Because to watch dad walk through both was an inspiration to me of what it is to be a believer in Jesus and to be faithful to your savior and to your king.
And so I've already shared with you a little bit of what that looks like, that life in Christ. His dad loved we as family and loved those around him. And, and, and as we heard the stories of, of, of how dad, things that I didn't even know he did, you know, with people. And uh, one guy came and said, you know, when I, uh, he was a rancher, a ranch hand, and he, he worked on a lot of ranches. And uh, he, had, he had left Mason. Dad knew him prior to that, worked on his animals. And he had left Mason to take a job on another ranch. And uh, <clears throat> eventually he lost that job. And he called my dad. And he said, Dave, I, I, I don't know what to do. I got a family. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and a little while later, dad had a client who said, hey, I'm looking for a ranch hand. Dad said, I think I know just the guy. And that was like 20 years ago, and he still works in the ranch today. And he was at the house, and he, he just said, I, I just knew how much he loved me and how much he just cared for me, how he made this introduction. But, but, and, and the funny thing is the, the rancher, who, the guy who was the owner who was looking for this, told Dad, well, if you trust him, just hire him. Like, I trust you enough. You just, just hire him and tell him to come on. He said, no, 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 you need to meet him. And you guys need to have this connection. You need to make sure this works. So dad sat with them and got them together and, and orchestrated that just, just because of loving this guy and knowing. And saying, Father, I think you opened a door here. Let's, let's knock on it and see what you can do. And one of the, the guys who worked for my dad, his son had a, uh, his wife and kids were in, lived in Mexico. And uh, his son had an unfortunate accident and, and passed away. And so he rushed to Mexico, and, and shortly later that day, dad and mom followed behind him. And he sat there, and he told us, he said, I remember how Dr. Dave, that's what he called him, Dr. Dave sat with me. And when I didn't know the questions they were asking about the funeral, he, he explained it to me and helped me make those decisions. I remember how you both cried with me for the loss of my child. And I knew how much you loved me because you were there as a presence, as a help, and you wept with me. And I go back to that verse that Brad shared with me. We walk through things that we can come alongside and empathize and share the gospel from a common place, share the love of Christ from a common place with those God has called us to minister to. And it was just story after story of how God used Dad to share the love of Christ, to be an example of what it is to have a father. Because dads, we are the first example to our children of our Father God, right? That's a big responsibility. And he was a great example for me, and I pray that I can be that example for my own kids in the same way. But as I just thought about this and thought about all the things that dad did in the, in the years that he was there, and as he just loved people for Jesus, and and God brought me back to uh, James chapter 4. And Tony and Steve, if you guys want to come on up for our fun little example we're going to do here. Um, I'm again thinking about living our life for Christ and, and what that looks like and, and thinking about the life that Dad lived there. And, and uh, you know, they say, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a beginning and an end date on your tombstone. It's that dash in the middle uh, that has all the, all the stories and the relevance, right? And what you did with that part. And so I began just thinking about that. So they're going to stretch this out. You guys keep going. I don't know how long that cord is. It's pretty long. Look at that. Wait, hold on. I'm going to step over it. Don't. Okay, I'll step under it. Okay. So I've seen this example done once for her. Let's walk out here a little bit. You guys ready? So as I thought about the life that dad lived there in Mason, 
And you think about our lives that God has called us to live. And, and if we take this, uh, this extension cord here that's stretching out, and we think about this as a slight representation of eternity, not all of it, but part of it, a brief moment. And, uh, and we won't get into the God is above time and linear and all those things either. That's another other sermon. But um, when we think about this as, as a representation of eternity, and then we take this clip and we put it right here, and we say, that's your life. You could even say that's um, all of creation and the existence of the world in comparison to eternity, right? We begin to realize just how small, minute, and inconsequential our life could be in the realm of eternity. And our lives here and, you know, somebody else's life there. And we kind of go around and we say, Lord, really, that's it? That's it? And God says, yeah. But in the midst of that, you can have effects on all eternity for those who come to know me and who will spend eternity with me. That's it? Yeah, that's it. But golly, how I've trusted you with so much in that short amount of time. What great plans I have for you in that blip in eternity. How I want to use you. How I want to walk with you. How I want to encourage you and challenge you and love you and teach you and grow you and use you in mighty and powerful ways. And so as I begin to think about dad's 50 years, 76 years on earth, 50 years in Mason and in, in that idea of eternity, and begin to think, thanks guys, we'll put it down because y'all are going to get real tired of holding eternity. It's heavy. But I began thinking about that and, and, um, and what that is, and, and I'll read out of you uh, where I went in James chapter 4. <coughs> Starting in verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And if it is as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. And all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And I begin thinking about that for just a moment, that idea of, of the blip that it is our lives, but all that God wants to do. And what is a mist? What is a vapor? You know, he says that's that's all that we are. And I, I go to Second Corinthians chapter two, verse fifteen, uh, and it says, says um, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, and the other from life to life. For we are the aroma of Christ. That mist, that vapor, that moment that we are there. We are the aroma to Christ. And those who know him, those who are called to him, it is the aroma of life. And for those who do not or who deny him, it is the aroma of death. The stone the builders rejected has become a stumbling block the aroma of death. And, and I, I was thinking through that and thinking like, okay, Lord, um, uh, and, and I began thinking about air freshener, right? Because it's here for a moment. I'm trying to spray you guys, right? But it's here for a moment. There's our vapor, and it's gone. There's our life, right? Everybody okay with a little air freshener coming down the aisles? Okay, good. So here it is, here for a moment, and then it's gone, right? But what are you guys, what are you getting right now? 
Smelling some vanilla cookies, I think is what this one is. Hungry, yeah, yeah, right? There for a moment, but it's already gone. It's dissipated. What is your life? It is there for a moment, and then it is gone, but the effects of it, the aroma of Christ lasts. The eternal effects of the aroma which you leave in the life that you live are eternal. And it is powerful. It is effective that God wants to use us as the voices in the wilderness, the light into the darkness, life unto life for those who believe. Because that's what dad did. There in that little town in Mason, eternity was affected. That's life in Christ. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, if some put it, his masterpiece, created for the good works in Christ Jesus, God prepared beforehand for us to do. Before we arrive, God had prepared those things so that when we are going through our lives, we don't have to say, God, what is it you want me to do here? But rather, Father, what are you already doing that you have called me to play a part in? What is it that you've already begun that I get to just touch for a moment and speak your life, your love into and allow you to do the rest? But I am called to hear. Perhaps it's the aisle of a grocery store. Perhaps it's a neighbor who's suffering and hurting. Perhaps it's our own children, our own family. Father, what are you doing? And how have you called me to participate? That I may be the aroma of Christ in this moment. And as I looked at dad's life, once again, an inspiration to me of a life lived in Christ. Light of the world, salt of the earth, being a veterinarian and sharing the gospel while he does it. Where has God called you? What are the gifts and the talents, the hobbies that he's given you? That you may have and have formed relationships that others do not have, that God can capitalize on to bring the gospel. It's humbling to think that as we love him, he would choose to use us in such a powerful way. But it's also exciting to know. God, you mean in that little blip of eternity, you want to use me? Me? In my weaknesses, in my faults, in my fears? Even in spite of that, you want to come and use me? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because in spite of those things, you have me. And when you know me and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit begins to overflow in your life. 
You begin to walk hand in hand with me. And it's not because it's not those faults that will keep you from doing it, but rather those things that will press you deeper into me that you will have the strength to be successful. That you will realize it's not on your own power that you would do any of it but in mine. And that it's not even your job to finish the task. That's me too. Your job is to do what I ask you to do. And trust me. Trust me with the results. Me? As I see dad's life, living a life in Christ. We could go on for a long time about that, but I won't make you sit here that long. Moving to the other side of death in Christ. Watching my dad walk through this past almost year facing that battle and, and, and working really hard in June. He had what's called a Whipple procedure, which was a really difficult surgery, about a 16-hour surgery that he went through, and he fought really, really, really hard to get better and to, and to work and to do those things. And, and, uh, and then uh, after he'd healed from that and was getting ready to go to chemo, um, they came and, and said, oh, it looks like the cancer's come back a little bit. Uh, and so then he had to start walking down the road of chemo. And we, we had these conversations with dad. Dad, and he just said to me one night, he said, you know, he said, I'm not afraid of dying. I know where I'm going. I just don't want to leave you guys. He said, that, that's, that's the part that's hard for me. Eternity's not scary. Death isn't scary. It's welcomed. I just don't want to leave you, my family. I want to continue to take care of you. I want to love with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to make memories with you. I want to spend that time with you. He said, that's the part that's hard for me. On that, just this past Friday, or a week ago Friday, when uh, we needed up back in the hospital, they did some more scans. They saw that the cancer had really just come back and taken over uh, uh, internally. And, and my sister walked into... Uh, the hospital room after the doctor had been there and dad said well you want the bad news or the good news first and she's like dad give me the bad news first let's just get it out of the way and then you can follow up the good news he said well the bad news is the cancer is back and it's really bad he said but the good news is I'm going to go see Jesus soon he said we can celebrate that part and by 9.30 the next night he was home with Jesus But as we walked through that process with dad, there was never a moment of fear. There was never a moment of, I don't know what's going to be coming. I don't know what's on the other side. There was hope. And there was joy. That heaven is coming. That there's no pain and no sorrow. That that cancer that once was wreaking havoc is now gone. That that pain that once was debilitating is now forever ceased. That is what is on the other side. And that is where dad's hope lied. And that is where we as a family rejoice. Do our hearts break? Absolutely. Is it okay to mourn and to weep? Absolutely. Is it okay to even say, Father, I don't quite understand why 76 years was enough? You knew his days before even one of them was formed. So I trust you in that. But I do wonder, absolutely. 
There is hope that carries us beyond the questions. There is hope that builds our faith and our trust to say, you know exactly why 76 years was enough. You know exactly why and what you're doing in a greater plan than what we can see in this moment. We really believe that all things work to the good of those who believe. And it is the good of your glory, Father. And so we can take hope in that. Death in Christ is painful here on earth. <laughs> but it's a sweet homecoming. It's just the door to eternity and to life everlasting as we walk through it. Last Sunday, as we were getting ready to come to church, I just texted my family and I just said, I, I'm in this place of painful rejoicing. Painful because dad is gone, but rejoicing because he is in heaven. And we walk through that together. And both serve their purpose in our lives, the pain and the joy as we walk through it. And so as I just, just thought about even how dad approached death, being able to look it in the face and say, you know what, I know you guys are going to be sad. Let me go plan my funeral. Let me write my obituary. Let me talk with each one of my kids and process this with them. Make sure that they're going to be okay. We love them because it's not scary. It's not the dying I'm afraid of. I just don't want to leave you guys. So we have that opportunity ourselves as believers in Christ Jesus to walk in confidence that in life and in death, there's glory. The glory of our Father. The glory of our Father in heaven. And so if you're here today and you're a believer, hear that. Be encouraged and be inspired to walk faithfully in that which God has called you to do. And to walk until the day that he calls you home. Because death is not something to be feared, but rather welcomed. And as I know dad did, and I pray that one day I will, and all of us who believe, as we came into there to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. To be able to say the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And then verse 8, there is now in store for me a crown of righteousness. And not just for me, but for all who believe. Wow. What a homecoming. Well done, Dave. in those 76 years that you were given. To proclaim the gospel into the lives of your family first, into the lives of those whom you touched in the community, your kids' friends, those who came through the doors of your clinic, even people who, who said, uh, there was a few times we disagreed, but I never wondered if your dad loved me. Even when we disagreed, there's never a question. 
gave even those that you disagreed with, you loved, with my love. Well done. Well done. And may we be able to hear the same. This is why we're called the church next door, right? That is the whole idea of this body of Christ is that wherever we find ourselves in our neighborhoods and our jobs, we are the church. We are the body of Christ proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Well done. May you be encouraged. May you be challenged to live your life for Christ. Say, Holy Spirit, direct me. Father, what are you doing? And how may I be a part? And if you're here today and you've never taken that step of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where it begins. That he came to the cross, that he lived this life, that he suffered just as we did, that we have in him a great high priest who knows what it is to be hungry, who knows what it is to be hurt, who knows what it is to be betrayed, who knows what it is to weep. And who took it upon himself to go to the cross, to die for you and for me and for all of mankind. That there may be hope beyond death. More than hope, there may be a promise of life everlasting. And that death is not something to be feared. That's where it begins. Turning to him and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, I pray today, come and talk with us as the prayer teams are up here. Let us share more with you about that.